Hey dreamers, it's a new year. And if you're ready to take the next step in your interpretation journey, I wanna invite you to the Breathing Underwater membership. This is a monthly subscription mentorship where we have live Zoom calls where we do interpretations of one another's dreams, we ask questions, and we seek God in community. We also have a private Facebook group with weekly teachings as well as a one-on-one coaching or dream mapping call with me every month. Because we all need a little help interpreting our dreams and I believe God designed it to happen in community. And it's just plain fun. So sign up today. We would love to see you there. We were designed to hunger for the deep things of God, to thrive on faith and wonder, to seek out divine wisdom that defies human logic. We were designed to unlock the mysteries of God. This is Breathing Underwater. Welcome back. This is episode 51. My name is Margot. I am the host of the show. We have been in a series on soul dreams where we are talking about the dreams that are sourced from our soul and the value of those dreams because of the value of our soul and how important it is for us to learn to be connected to our own soul, to steward what's happening there and to to be in connection with God over all of that because our souls are eternal and we are going through transformation and healing all the time. And he, God is the lover of our soul. He is the lover of our soul. And we are all learning to love our souls well also. So we have been talking about the importance of soul dreams in regards to being in connection with what's happening in our soul. This week, we have a live interpretation with my friend Hannah, which I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. So I'm going to just jump right into that. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Well, welcome, Ms. Hannah Tuttle. Hello, thank you. Yeah, I'm so, so glad you're here, everybody. This is my friend Hannah, but we call her Tut. Yeah, which is very appropriate for you somehow. I don't know. She just feels like a Tut. Thank you. I think so. <laughs> when did you first get that nickname, actually? Yeah, it would have been right when I first went to um, the ministry school that we both did. I okay. so My siblings had been called Tuttle or Tut. That's my last name. And so I remember being in New Zealand before I did the school and someone tried to call me Tuttle. And I was like, that's not my name because it was my brother's nickname like it was like his name and I was like you can't call me that too like I'm I'm clearly not him (laughs) you're both in that same community and then I got to school and everyone started my first year pastor started calling me Tuttle and Tut and then everyone did and then it just never stopped and I didn't actually I didn't mind being called that it was just that in that like particular community before my brother's name was Tuttle. And I was like, yes. I can't also be Tuttle. That's not. You need to be differentiated. You need to yes. be differentiated. I want my own name. Yeah. Well, Tut totally fits you. And just like Tut said, we met in ministry school. And interestingly, she was my mentor. My first year of school, she was my mentor, this beautiful woman. And so gracious because I was going through it. I mean, just being me and would always find such a safe space with you to, to just be like, Margo, what's happening? Tell me what's going on. And I would emote and I would share and I would not hold back. And you were so 
kind and wise and gracious. And that is how we got acquainted. It was really God's alignment, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I would hold the role of mentorship very loosely. (laughs) I feel like I was, I feel like I remember a conversation with you where I was like, listen, I'm not going to try to mentor you. I love you. I believe I have things for you. I'm going to hold space, but I'm not going to come in and be like, okay, baby Margo. (laughs) Which I appreciated. I appreciated. You got to know your own history and then the history of the person you're talking to. So and honestly, that's probably what gave me like safety and respect for you immediately because she's, you know, almost half my age. And it was like, yeah. okay, thank you for just recognizing. Yeah, you've lived a lot of life. And I, I have like lived a lot of life. And, yeah. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm saying stuff that I remember my parents saying. We got to get off the age topic. Let's move oh, yeah. on. Oh. It's not real. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Time is, or age is nothing but a number. Okay. Right. Well, Miss Hannah Tuttle is a very prophetic individual, very prophetic and creative and just lovely, fun, full of life, has the best hair ever. So just picture it. Yeah. Great hair and has a really beautiful relationship with the Lord, a very prophetic, deep, intimate relationship with God. And she and I were just chatting, I guess, probably a couple months ago about her dream life. And I thought you're coming on the podcast I don't know when, but soon. And here she is. So I have asked her to sort through her many dreams to choose one for today. And I'm going to have her share that with us. And we're going to get into the process. We have not interpreted this dream yet. But first, will you tell us what has your dream life been like? Is this something you remember as a kid having dreams and interpreting them? And when did it happen where, where you realized, oh, God's speaking to me? Yeah. So yes, I started dreaming very, very young. Um, I kind of have like freakishly young memories. Uh, me and my oldest brother are both like this. Like I've explained memories to my mom and she was like, yep, that happened. There's no videos of it. And I would have been younger than two. Um, and so I was thinking about it. I'm like, I actually, my first memory of a dream was like a nightmare, Mm -hmm. but I was a baby so in my dream I was being chased by a squirrel and it was obviously like ultimate fear and I remember waking up and staring through the bars of my crib at my parents so like very very young dreaming and then um wow was very tormented in my dreams as a kid as well there was always a lot of spiritual warfare around it so had very prophetic dreams and knew they were from the Lord at a really young age. Um, and then also had very, I'd say demonic dreams or, or at least spiritually charged dreams. So, um, I'd say both, some were clearly demonic attacks. And then some, I would say were just like very intense dreams that were probably more truth than just fear, but talking about topics that were maybe older than what you would associate with a kid. Um, that makes sense. And so started having prophetic dreams probably around like six or seven is the earliest I remember. Um, even like my mom bought us all prayer, like uh, dream journals one year. And I think I maybe have like three dreams written in it. I was not very faithful with it. But one of them was like my oldest brother was hosting a prayer meeting. I think I was probably around seven when I had this dream. He was hosting a prayer meeting. And in the dream everyone was sitting in a circle and I came around and I started tapping them on the head and telling like duck, duck, goose, but telling them what they were going to be 
like their prophetic destiny. And so I woke up and I told my mom and she was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to write that one down. So wow, dreamer, I didn't know that you could sleep and not dream until I was 18. Always dreams have been like a very real part of decision-making for me and Mm. um, Mm. a lot of clarity and even like soul processing where I often for a long time, I wouldn't know what was happening internally. And then it would happen in a dream. And as I've become more and more self-aware, that happens less and less, but um, it still happens every once in a while (laughs) where I'm like, oh, I've been avoiding that topic. Right, right, right. Okay. Thanks Thanks for telling me. Thanks Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is an incredibly rich history with dreams. So we are going to jump into your dream now. Yay. I'll have you just tell me front to back and then I'm going to start asking you questions and we'll follow the Holy Spirit and interpret together. Okay, great. So this dream um, is from July 9th, 2023. So this past year. Um, And I knew it was significant when I had it. Just like I woke up and I was like, okay, this is a a significant dream. Um. I was in a group and we were at someone's house. It was an older man who was hosting. I couldn't tell in the dream if he was married or single, but um, he was hosting a large group of us. And the house was wooden, like kind of like a cabin. Um, But even in that, like nothing fancy, but in it, I had the feeling that the man was probably pretty wealthy by the way that he was hosting our gathering. And I actually never went into the house in the dream. So I has, there was like an outer layer of like a screened in porch and then there was a deck and I never went beyond that. So I was in the outer layer of the screened in porch with him. Um, The rest of the group was somewhere else. And he had a pet fox that I was playing with. Um, And the fox was orange on the head and orange on the tail and black in the center. And we had been playing with it. And then he told me to put it in its cage because it had started to get riled up. And so I put the fox in the cage and the cage was, um, it looked kind of like the size of a telephone booth. Like it was a vertical box, screened indoor, um, not like a typical animal cage. So I put the fox in there and then um, closed the door, but the fox actually knew how to get out. And so it like hit the door at the right places and opened the screen door and ran from not just the screened in porch, but passed it onto the outer deck. And then, so I followed it onto the deck and I was trying to call it to come back. Um, And then on the deck, there was like the rest of the group of the people. So there was like a hosting of a dinner and everyone was in um, long tables. There were lots of people. Um, I only remember recognizing one person. There might've been more, but I just, I just wrote, um, it was our friend Blake down. So um at the table but once on the deck the fox was no longer a fox it was a puppy it was a black and white puppy and I think it was missing a leg that's what I like I had it written down I was like maybe missing two I think it was missing one so it wasn't very clear even when I woke up mm-hmm. um but it was running and I was telling everyone like grab it if it comes by you and and it was running around them, but no one actually grabbed it. And I don't know if it was because they couldn't or because they just chose not to. Mm. Um, and then it ran down the stairs. So this the house was on like stilts, kind of like a beach house would be sometimes. Mm. Um, it was high up. 
and it ran down the stairs onto the beach and I chased it down onto the beach and it was running on the beach and there were people down there on like towels and blankets and stuff. And then once on the beach, it turned into a butterfly and it was a black and white butterfly. It was very beautiful, um, but it was missing its two front wings and it was really delicate. So, or fragile even, and I was trying to chase it. Um, and I finally, I think at the end of the dream caught it um, it had been kind of like flitting around a bit and I think I was taking it back up, but I don't know if I was even taking it back up to the house. I don't like in the dream, it almost felt like the house didn't exist. I was just taking it back up the beach, mm. um, trying to protect it. Mm. And its name was Troubadour and it had been its name through the whole dream, but I didn't know it until I got to the beach and it was the butterfly. Um, and yeah, that was pretty much the whole dream. The only thing that I would say is that I remember feeling like guilt and shame when the foxes escaped. Mm. Um, Do you say foxes? Remember, what? When foxes escaped? No, or fox? just one. Oh, just yeah. Fox. Okay. Sorry. No, that's um, okay. And then I felt, I remember the man felt kind of frustrated, not angry, but like a little bit frustrated. And then I felt bad, but I also felt like if you knew it could escape, why did you tell me to put it in the cage? Like, I'm like, you clearly know, like this fox clearly knew how to get out. Why are you mad at me for not knowing that it like knew how to get out of its own cage? Um, and then I don't know if this is relevant, but I said in, in the, in my like writing down of it, I said that the puppy and the fox kind of felt like, like a boy puppy and a boy fox. And then the butterfly felt like a girl when mm -hmm. I was trying to catch it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I love dreams. I love yeah. them. I love them. Um, this one is like pretty veiled to me in moments. Like there's pieces, but I'm excited because this is all the Lord. And I'm going to see how this goes in our dialogue. First of all, what would you title this dream? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Um, I mean, it's hard because there's like so many animals in it, but I feel, I mean, I would probably call it true, something with troubadour that feels troubadour. very significant to me. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Probably just troubadour. Okay. I know that is really significant. Interesting that you didn't know the name until the very end, but likely it was the name of the fox yes. that then turned into the, okay. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a metamorphosis. Like I didn't see it change it just was suddenly a dog instead of a fox and then it was suddenly a butterfly instead of a dog but yeah mm -hmm. um what would you say the primary emotion was in the dream was it primarily positive primarily negative I wouldn't say it was positive I'd say probably more negative I I, I think I felt pretty frantic in the dream like trying okay. to yeah like trying to get a hold of this thing that I had in it like accidentally lost or mismanaged Wow. Okay. Okay. So even though it belonged to this man, you felt really responsible for it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But it wasn't yours in the dream. It was his, mm -hmm. but you had this ownership and this sense of wanting to protect it. Yeah. Okay. And I actually, I don't remember the man trying to catch it at all. Like, I think it was only me trying to make sure that it got back. Um, and then by the time it was a butterfly, I don't even know if I remembered the man. Like, I don't know if he owned the butterfly, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I have a sense about that, but let's see where it goes. Okay. Did you look up what troubadour means? Yes, I did. And I, I didn't write it down, but I did look it up. Did you? Okay. Yes. I have something here that I think is really interesting. Um, 
because you're a poet mm. and a writer as well. This is saying that the word troubadour is a French form that means to find or to invent. And a troubadour was one who invented new poems. Yeah. Finding new verse for his elaborate love lyrics. You're also a songwriter, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done, yeah. Songwriting has been uh, less than poetry in recent years, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. There's that. So I definitely think that's giving us a clue mm -hmm. and it is a part of kind of what my sense maybe was at the beginning, but I'm going to keep asking you some questions here. Um, what do you think? So it's definitely about you, yeah. right? You were very active within the dream. And what was your sense about the man? Do you have any sense about who he represents? You know, I was thinking about it and I, I don't know that I do. Cause I, I mean, my like kind of automatic inclination would almost be the Lord but I didn't, yeah, I mean, it could be, it very well could be, but my, my interaction with him wasn't very much like my interaction with the Lord. Like I felt a little bit more high stakes about losing his fox. Whereas with the Lord, I have a lot of, um, definitely a lot of fear of the Lord, but it, it we're much more relational. I wouldn't feel yeah. scared of the Lord, if yeah. that makes sense. It does. It really does. Uh, when you said that he was a, a wealthy man, I I immediately thought of the father as well. Like that really is um, really pretty clear symbolism for me. But then when you were talking about the tone of the dream and your feeling of the dream, I wonder if this really is uh, a soul-based dream, mm -hmm. if there's some prophetic imagery in it. But it, I wonder if it's speaking to something that um, the Lord wants to show you about what's going on in your heart or maybe even something from the past. So let's just play around with this. I'm happy to be wrong, but let's see where it goes. Okay. Um, that experience with the man where you ended up feeling shame mm -hmm. and fear. Did you say fear? Or you felt ashamed that it got guilt. out? Yeah. Guilt and shame. And so like embarrassment, like, mm -hmm. yeah. Mostly because he was frustrated. Yeah, I would say so. And and I think it felt like I had done something wrong in trying to do something right. Like mm -hmm. he asked me to do this thing and I tried to do it and then I had done it wrong somehow yeah. and there were repercussions. Yeah. One of those repercussions was his frustration or maybe disappointment. Yeah. yeah. Is that something familiar to you? with your experience with family or fathers or authorities? I would say yes, but probably more so in my perception rather than reality. So I don't know that I have tons of experience with like angry leaders or fathers or, you know, but I think I have always felt very afraid of making fathers angry or frustrated or yeah. 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 And wanting to do the right things so that they're totally. not. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's something there. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that the Fox was orange and black and you, and you mentioned kind of like an Oreo the yeah. first time you shared this with me, I thought that was really cool. And then when it changed into the puppy, it was black and white. And yeah. then the, Butterfly was black and white. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does the black concept of black and white mean to you? The first thing I think of is that things are like 
very clear cut. Like it is either right or it is wrong or, it, you know, like it's a black and white perception. Yep. That's what than, I think of too. Yeah. Like there's mm -hmm. no gray area. Mm -hmm. Okay. High contrast. High contrast. Yeah. Does that feel like that fits into that same mentality of like, I want to do the right thing because there's a right thing and a wrong thing. And if I do the wrong thing, then fathers will be mad, be mad at me or negative things will happen. I will be in trouble. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think that that's like a mindset that I work on consciously to where for a long time, I felt like there was a very clear right and wrong. And I was just trying to find it. Whereas now I'm a little bit more like there might be a right and a wrong, or there might just be like this choice or that choice. <laughs> like There's some, some options, but yes, for sure. When I was younger, especially, but even still now, sometimes. Mm. Um, tell me about the phone booth shaped <laughs> cage. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I loved it. It definitely stuck out to me. Did it, ha it had a screen door on it as well. Uh -huh. Yeah. A screen door in the front. It's weird because it, it's not a very big cage and yet it is like, it's like tall, but it doesn't feel functional because it's not like lots of space for the fox to move around unless he can climb up the wall, which he couldn't. So yeah, it felt like almost this weird mix of big, and small at the mm -hmm. same time whereas like almost like man sized rather than fox sized but yeah I see okay well the fact that it was a phone booth to me felt intentional of God mm -hmm. in this dream or intentional of your soul or of the combination of them communicating to you yeah. because a telephone booth is a place where you go to make a call right and that's really speaking of connection and communication and so I'm wondering if that is a part of this topic in general because of the troubadour piece, which means to compose, right, or to find, yeah. and specifically troubadours were lyricists, poets. Thinking about that gifting, mm -hmm. thinking about that calling, which really is a calling to, to communication. Mm -hmm. Hence the telephone booth. Yeah. Would you say there's any black and white beliefs, kind of like we mentioned before, around that doing it the right way doing it the wrong way I don't know if I feel particularly fearful around that but I would say that that has been a uh, a marking factor over my family where like especially I mean probably all my family but especially my dad I really recognize it and then probably my sister as well where there's this like there is like a sharp like this is truth did you have a sense when you first had this dream about the con the content being about one particular thing in your life? Did you have an idea at all about what specifically felt the weightiest, what the Lord was on? So I would say um, the, the fact that it was called Troubadour felt incredibly significant. Um, and even um so butterflies have been historically significant between the lord and i back to even like probably my earliest prophetic word that i remember receiving as a kid was about um me leading other kids in worship and it, the picture they had was me being like a butterfly like flitting around and leading in worship and then since then 
butterflies have shown up in really significant moments between the Lord and I, mm -hmm. um, often as a marker of him being like, this is a point of destiny, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, and so that felt like significant. And the fact that the butterfly was damaged or broken, I was like, oof, like that felt um, almost like there was something, almost in need of repair. Um, and I found it, I found it really interesting that the, the like animals got more damaged as time went on. Like the yeah. fox was like whole and the puppy was missing a leg and then the butterfly was missing both wings. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Um, and so I, I think I probably associated it with, uh, like writing and or music, but it, but I didn't have a like, oh yes, this is clearly it. It was just my like, oh, that makes sense that it would be around this topic. Yeah, because God yeah. has used that image of the of the butterfly with you before in that context. Yes, yeah, because of that, and then also um, just the the lyricist that exactly. troubadour means like exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm wondering about the fox if there's a if there's a better way to name it. I, really, even just representing this gift it's interesting that it was colorful mm -hmm. and then it got more black and white it was something that um you needed to contain you mm -hmm. needed to put inside a structure that got out and was loose and crazy and unruly and then ended up being unable to actually fly where there's this freedom trying to kind of shut it down it gets unruly and then through that process, it's actually unable to lift off and, and go where it's yeah. meant to go. Interesting. It's a curiosity to me if there's if there's something I, I keep feeling a generational thing, just yeah. Unless this resonates of a way that you have operated in this in your own life, where there was a point where it was like, oh, it was this thing, but I but I need to kind of rein it in. And then it felt like, uh oh, it's out of control. I'm responsible for getting this back it, it's running wild like but in yeah. that process recognizing like oh but but in trying to control it too much now that there's only it doesn't even have what it needs to fly mm -hmm. um I would say two things I think that it, it does actually feel like when you're saying it feels generational I'm like yeah that feels true um the only thing that I would say with the like trying to control something to the point of it being broken is um, th the thing that I'm thinking of is a conversation that I had with uh, a mentor of sorts a few years ago. We were just, I thought we were just having a coffee. And then all okay. of a sudden out of the blue, he goes, what's the deal with you and permission? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, like, why do you, why do you get hung up on permission so much? And I was like what are you talking about? It was like the first time that probably ever in my life that someone had brought up something that I hadn't already been processing with the Lord. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? And he was like, Ooh, like, he's like, you just need permission. Like, why do you want that? Like, you don't need permission. And I was like, I don't want to make a mess that my fathers have to clean up. And he was like, why do you think you make messes? And I was like, uh, like, and it just like kind of unfurled this whole belief system about how I show up and if I show up as my full self that there will be a mess that needs to be cleaned up and mm -hmm. it might be too big for me to clean up myself mm -hmm. um 
And that sent me into such a big spiral, like so, so big. And then even I remember having a dream after that one about like getting into a situation and then getting in trouble, like penalized because I was somewhere that I thought I had been invited into, but I hadn't been. And I had got like, there was repercussions for me and only me for overstepping. Wow. And so that's the only other thing that I'd be like, mm, that's probably the like trigger point that I would recognize of an area where I've had a fear of like showing up too big and yeah. something being broken because of it. Yeah. 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 I, I wonder if the fox slash puppy slash butterfly represents a part of you yeah. or a part of your heart. That's another just thought. Let's leave it there. Okay. A part of you that's meant to be free and colorful in that way, but it's, you know, kind of gone through these experiences. Mm -hmm. When you were just talking about the time where it, you were kind of punished, I guess, for showing up somewhere where you weren't invited or weren't supposed to be, I flashed to the dinner party in your dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which you were not attending. You were just chasing the dog through it. I definitely felt like an outsider. I don't think that I was uninvited. Like, I don't think it was one of those things where they were like, you can't sit at this table, but I definitely felt like a collective group. And then I was like, oh, I kind of missed the like memo. I've been with this fox. Now it's out. And I'm like, sorry, guys. Sorry, I'm ruining your feast. I'm just trying to like clean up my mess that I made. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that feels, that feels significant. Mm. Does it make sense then from that kind of moment, it turns into a butterfly with clipped wings, if, if you will? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so easy when we have a wrong perspective of the father, even in a slight way, which is never something I would even think about you of like, oh, she, you have such a close relationship with him, but you know how dreams reveal layers where we're like, oh, man, I didn't totally. even know that was there. Yeah. Yeah. But when we have a wrong per uh, perception about the father or the kingdom or the way that things work, this, it feels a little like an orphan perspective. Mm -hmm. Just, um, you don't actually get to go into the house, right? Mm -hmm. You're just on the porch, the porch, or the patio, which is outside. And the porch being screened in to me felt interesting. It actually felt a little dark, mm -hmm. like um, filter, filter. Yeah. Screened it. And then also, I don't know, I don't know if this makes sense, but I don't know about you, but I associate those type of screened in porches with, um, I don't associate them with like affluent places. I, mm -hmm. I associate them with like a uh, kind of poor yeah. areas like yeah. yeah like deep south and not in the like bougie way like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. some family yeah. places that I visited that are like a little bit ratchet this porch was like kind of and yeah the screened in part was like pretty dark and dingy and then the deck was beautiful like mm. really beautiful mm, interesting 
Because when you think about, if we're thinking about the father, even like the ri a rich father, I think of like the prodigal father, right? In this, in the story of the prodigal son, where mm. that's our father, that's his heart. He is overly generous. You come right into the inner chamber of the house right away. You don't have to have earned it. Doesn't matter if you've messed it up. It, it, he doesn't put undue responsibility and stress on people where it doesn't fit. And even in that moment, that wasn't your freaking responsibility to keep that fox mm -hmm. in that thing. That wasn't up to you. And yet the repercussions of that fell on you. And his yeah. irritation over that is unwarranted. It's, it's not the father, but it could be a version of how we picture the father yeah. and the kingdom. Like we're invited right in. You don't get quarantined to different levels or different layers of the father's house, right? It's like yeah. we're in and then we're in and we're in. It's not like, and then once you get a little bit better or you get invited to the thing, then you can actually enter into this space. And then the fact that there was this beautiful feast going on and a celebration that feels like the Lord, that feels like the kingdom, but to feel on the outside of that. And yeah. like the focus was just, sorry, I'm probably interrupting and I'm yeah. with this unruly thing. That you know, that's just another part of the bigger perspective. That's that's not kingdom. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that it felt like they could have helped, but they didn't. Yeah, like everyone was just kind of sitting watching, and I was like, "He's right by you. Grab the dog." And they just were like, "Oh, sorry." Like, like that. Even that perspective of like nobody's joining me. I'm trying to like do yeah. this, and I'm like having to do it on my own. Yeah, yeah. What about that feeling? I'm having to do this on my own. Nobody's helping me. Does that feel resonant? Yeah, I would say so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, I think that the the last few years have felt. Or probably there's been a pattern in my life, I'd say, of some loneliness and um and not even loneliness in community like I feel like I've been surrounded by community most of my life hmm. um but almost like a loneliness in my walk with the Lord where hmm. there's been I think a really holy element of that and I think you would understand from like even the prophetic call where there there's sometimes times where you have to walk a lonely road um but I think there's been seasons where I felt very much like I'm doing this thing that the Lord asked me to do or what I felt like was my responsibility, but it feels isolating rather than encompassing. Like, yeah. I feel like it's, it's forced me into the outside. And then even the, like the loneliness of like having to feeling like I need to make decisions on my own all the time. And I can't bring people into that or, is there any element of like just being in a really different season than the people you're around as well? Like you're over here feasting and dining and I'm chasing this thing down and 100%. Yes. And yeah, I think, um, uh, that's been sometimes very true. And then sometimes probably overemphasized in my own heart right where you're like you are in a different season you are a different person and then also there are people that are with you and you're yeah. not completely alone you know yeah yeah yeah
And I get that. Oh man, I get that. Mm. Well, this is what I love about this dream. I think there's, I think there's more to come and, and unfold with the Lord, but it definitely feels like he's, he is highlighting something that is time to fully catch and, and end, mm. um, unto the season of fruitfulness, just that kind of idea of the pruning. And so often things are hidden until he really reveals what they are. It might be a process for you to get like right down to the nitty gritty, but I feel, I feel like we definitely hit on some of those beliefs and some of those experiences that have caused those beliefs. The fact that the end of the dream, when you, when you caught the, the butterfly was at the, the ocean or was at the beach. I think really signifies a couple different things and oceans and beaches and can have so many different meanings, but I think this is actually signifying a boundary. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't go, you can't go any further when you get to the ocean, like you can get in and you can swim and you can go as far as you can. But, um, and I think that's a really good thing that this is, this process is coming to an end. There's a boundary, there's an ending and it's at a really refreshing type of space. So I feel the invitation is, to he's saying like you you caught it Mm. you caught it you're get you're gonna get it and together like this is this is going to be renewed and there's going to be new life and there's going to be refreshing i'm putting a boundary on this it's time for this to come to an end in your generations in your life whatever that means unto more wholeness for you and the next season yeah i even just it's pretty prophetically clear that you have the calling of a, of a prophet and, and a voice and um, one who is to be trusted and really feeling included in, in the family, which I think is really often prophets don't feel that way. And I can attest to that as well, because often it is a lonely road and you feel like you're going against the, the flow. Everyone's going the other way and you're yeah. going, the other way. at least it feels that way. Right. Um, and, and even just onto greater integration and greater understanding of your daughtership and yeah. your freedom in relationship with the father and even deeper revelation of who the father really is and who he isn't. And just even the the poverty mentality of, of orphanhood, you know, we don't even know it's there half of the time and it doesn't always look as obvious as I feel like I don't have enough money, you know, but limitation, limitation isn't enough. There isn't enough for me. Oh, there you get to do this, but I'm stuck in this. Like all of that can have that kind of orphan lack perspective and mentality. So my sense is that there's more God wants to reveal to you on this and actually get to, but that it's, it's so hopeful because there's a boundary and an end on it. And there is going to be a refreshing and it's unto your calling as a troubadour. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you carry or have carried or have a tendency to carry responsibility that was actually a father's responsibility? Yeah, I think I grew up in a very um, kind of supernatural environment, but I wouldn't say that, I would say that I always felt a little bit on the wild side of that environment, which go, go, you know me. So that oh, was yes. a surprise. Oh, yes. Um, but I think that I was always worried about stepping too far in that I would lose like almost like credibility with, with fathers. So with probably my own dad and then 
um, spiritual fathers where I always felt like I need to maybe keep myself in check so that they know I've, I'm taking this seriously, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, maybe whether that, was, whether that was true or probably more so my perception of right. how things right. were unfolding. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Like put yourself, like put yourself in a cage, keep yourself contained. Yeah. Mm. It's funny to me that something that had been playful and fun turned frantic in like a millisecond. Like this thing is fun. It's getting riled up. You need to put it away. But I didn't know I knew how to get out. And then it turned frantic, like trying to correct something that like two minutes before had just been like a look at the pet fox. This is so cool. I can't believe you own this. Like, and then, yeah, so unique. I don't know anyone who has a pet fox. And then actually an orange and black one. I'm so into yeah, it. Exactly. This is such a unique thing. And then, and then like in a second turned into me, like trying to catch up and catch this thing. We have to, we have to end here, but I wish we had more time, Tet. Is there anything that you want to say more before we close this today? I don't think so. I think it's given me a lot to think about where I'm like, yeah, just some some clarity or even maybe ideas that I had sort of already been exploring just a little bit, but having a sounding board just to have like, no, that feels like the right direction or this felt true or this didn't feel quite quite right. And so that feels really helpful. I can't imagine a better person to come on and talk about a dream that is so revealing of just experiences and family things and maybe heart postures than you because you are so forthcoming and you are so honest and you are so incredibly transparent and authentic in how you shared. And it feels like you have given us pearls Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so kind of you to say. Thank you. Oh, I, I feel it so deeply. It really is such an honor. And I love you. I hope I to see you sooner than later. You're too far away. I know. <laughs> God um, knows. He does. He knows the timing. You got it.